Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Holy Spirit, just flow. We just invite you. We yield to you. We ask you to just flow. Breathe on us. As we look at your word, we want to drink deep of you. We want to drink deep of the love of God to be transformed into your likeness. We love you. We thank you for your word and we honor you. Come and have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage of scripture, John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Let me ask you this. How much has God the Father loved Jesus the Son? He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Well, Jesus is saying, look, to the same exact same degree that God the Father loves God the Son, I love you exactly the same. So if we want to get a better picture of how much God loves us, we need to understand how much does God the Father really love God the Son? How many think that God loves his son Jesus just a little bit? Or maybe, yeah, he loves him quite a bit most days, but, you know, part of the time he's irritated and frustrated with his son. Anybody think that? How many think that maybe perhaps God the Father loves God the Son, Jesus, with a radical, crazy, extravagant, amazing, never-ending, perfect love? Okay? So if that's how he loves Jesus, then how does he love you? Exactly the same. Some of us, we can struggle with, man, how much, I just struggle with God really understanding how much he loves me. Well, he says right here, he loves us exactly. Jesus says exactly the way the fathers loved me. I love you exactly the same. That's good news. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Because if we look inward, if we look at our life, if we look at our background, our history, our performance before Christ and even after we've given our lives to Christ, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why God may not love us or, well, yeah, he loves us, but I'm not really sure if he likes me. Or he loves me, but he's kind of tolerating me some of the time. Okay, we can struggle with that when we look at our life, our performance, our background. I want to encourage you. Don't focus on that. All it does is, I'd say it's a leading cause of depression. Okay? It's just, wow. Let me look at my history. Let me look at my background. Let me, I need to look at the goodness of God. I need to look at what he did for me at the cross. How he redeemed me. How he bought me. How he purchased me. He, he demonstrated his love by going to the cross for me. Paul says in, in uh, Romans chapter 5 that God so loved us that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even in my worst moment, in my worst state, God the Father sent Jesus the Son to reveal his love to us. He died for us while we were still sinners. So I want to take a revelation of the love of God that he has for Jesus, that he says he has for me. That love that God the Father has for Jesus, it's the same love that he has for you. And to take that love and view your whole life in light of that and nothing else. And then when you, if you happen to look at your history, if you happen to look at your performance, if you happen to look at your 
past, whether your past is before Christ or the last 20 years of serving the Lord, whatever it is, that you view it all through that lens of His perfect love. The same way, Jesus said, the same way that God the Father loves me is the exact same way that I love you. If you've never meditated on that, I want to encourage you, meditate on that. I love the Word of God. We value the inherent power of the Word of God. Some of you, you've heard me share this before. Years ago, I heard John Marquez say that the Word of God is like a menu and that, you know, it's great to study. It's great to research. It's great to study. And see, the fact is there's a whole lot of Christians who struggle in their walk with the Lord because they don't even know it's available. They never take time And we live in a land of plenty. Bibles abound, okay, in our nation. We have the freedom, unlike a place like North Korea, where they can get killed if if they're caught having a Bible. So we have the Word of God abounding, okay? Most of us even have the Bible on our our smartphone, okay? we got an app for it. The Word of God abounds, and we need to take advantage of that. Our ancestors, if you will, okay, spiritual uh, forerunners, they paid a high price for the translation of scripture and to get it into our hands. Okay. And so there's, but there, and yet there's so many people, even in our fluent society that are still struggling day to day. They're, they're saved. They're really believers, but they don't even know what the Bible says. But wouldn't it be crazy if I took my family to a restaurant, sat down and they, the waiter brought out the menu and said, Here's the menu. I'll come back in five minutes, see what you want. And I say, no, I, you know what? After five minutes, we still don't know what we want. We're still reading the menu. And 10 minutes later, we're still men- reading the menu. Half an hour later, the waiter comes back and says, are you ready to order now, sir? Like, no, we're still studying the menu. 15 minutes later, 45 minutes now has gone by. I'm, I'm sorry, we're still reading. We're studying the menu in the original Greek and Hebrew. And then after an hour, we fold it up and we give it back to the waiter and walk out and say, that was amazing. Thank you so much. We enjoyed reading that. I I don't say that at all to diminish or devalue the word of God. We need to read and study the word of God. But it is a springboard into relationship. It's a springboard to dive on in. Look, when I read the Bible, I don't want just... You have to read it and get the knowledge. You have to know what it says, okay? You can't take advantage of the word in the best sense of that term unless you know what it says. But then after you get the knowledge, it needs to springboard you into experience, a living reality of his presence in intimate fellowship with him. Jesus did not bear those marks in his body. He did not go to the cross and suffer that horrible death so he could read a book. He died so he could bring us, reconcile us back to the Father and bring us into divine union that we could live in him. And the way that we get to know that is through reading the Bible. So we read the word. I read the menu, but then it's time to order. It's time to order what it says. So I read the Bible and I say, God, thank you. This is what you did for Moses. This is what you did through Peter. This is how you healed the sick through Peter. This is what you revealed through Paul. This is how you used his life. Thank you for these men and women of God in Scripture. Thank you for what we know of Jesus. Now, Lord, I don't want to just read about it. Grace me by the power of your Holy Spirit to live in the reality of it. I want to springboard into that reality. Thank you for your word. That it's an invitation to dive into the fullness of what you have for us. 
So I'm just going to encourage you. If you've never meditated on that passage, John 15, 9, meditate on that. How many have found that it's easy to just kind of brush over the love of God and go, yep, I've, I've, been, I've been in church for years now. God loves me. I know that theologically it's true. Scripture says that. And then move on, but never really encounter the reality of that. And then even times where you feel like, no, I, I, I really know the love of God. But then you hit a crisis in your life. You hit some hard times and you didn't realize some of the subtle lies that the enemy had seeped into your heart. Because when tragedy hits, you start to question, does God really love me that much? Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, that subtle stuff that's there. That's why I can never grow tired of feeding on the truth of the word of God and what he says. So I take a passage like that and I pray it back to him. And I'm like, Jesus, thank you that you love me exactly the same way the Father has loved you. And I drink that in. I meditate on I feed on the life of Christ. For years, for years, I would try to enter God's presence based on my love for God. Which is not a bad thing to do. Like, enter His presence. That's awesome. And I do love God. We're supposed to love God. That's awesome. But I found out it's a whole lot better and easier to enter God's presence based on His love for me. Because my love is weak. It can falter. And at the end of the day, we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. And we're just simply called to reciprocate. He initiated it, and we just reciprocate it. He loves us with an everlasting love. So when I come before him, yeah, there's time. Man, I, I declare his wonder. I declare his praise. I thank him for who he is, and I declare my love for him. But when it's all said and done, it's not about me and me being a great worshiper, and it's not about me being a great lover of God. Ultimately, it's about him and his perfect love that he's always loved me from the beginning. And when I, get, when I begin to get a glimpse of that, when I begin to get a, a greater glimpse of his immeasurable love for me, I can't help but give that back to him. And I find entering and living in his presence becomes so much easier because it's not about me striving to enter in. I just think about his goodness and next thing I know, his presence begins to show up. Not because I'm striving to enter his presence. I'm just thanking him for who he is. He's a really good father. And he's always loved me with a perfect love. Now look at the, the, the next part of this passage, what it says here. He says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now remain in my love. He's given us a declaration of, of who the Father is and, and how the Father feels about Him. And then He's saying, look, just the same way the Father's loved me, so I love you. So He's given us that revelation, that understanding. And then He says this. He says, now, remain in my love. Remain in my love. What is it to remain in His love? What does that mean? Does that mean, oh, I think about how much God is love on Sundays when we gather together for worship. But then Monday rolls around. Got to get back to the real world. Kind of struggle through life. 
kids and bills and marriage and a boss and work and difficulties. And, and then come Saturday, I'm thinking, oh, God, if I could just make it back to church on Sunday, God, help me so I can get just a little drop of your love. Is that what it means? Remain in my love. Remain in the love of God. Is remain to visit at times or even frequently visit his love at times? I believe it's the King James that says abide. Abide in his love. When you abide somewhere, you live there. You set up your home and you make it your dwelling place. 24-7 through every season of life, every moment, no matter the circumstance, you're staying in the pocket of his love. And you are living in the Father's love with a continual recognition of the goodness of who the Father is. He just loves me. I want to encourage you. See, like, theology is really good and important. And again, we need to study the word. But I want to encourage you. You will never, never intellectually fully comprehend or grasp the love of God. Years ago, as my wife and I um, started our courtship and before we got married, I remember thinking, why in the heck does this woman love me? A lot of you probably thought the same thing. And I was just like, why does she love me? And then finally, one day, I got this revelation. I don't know why she loves me. And I probably never will. But I'm going to stop wearing myself out trying to figure out why she loves me. And I'm just going to yield to it and accept it. You know what? My life's gone a whole lot better since then. Have you ever tried to be in a relationship with someone who always questioned your motives? Who always wondered, well, why would you really like me? Why would you do that for me? And I don't know why you'd want to spend time with me. And at first it's like, no, it's because I really love you. Yeah, I really care about you. And come on. Hey, I just want to be with you. Because I do care about you. And you're trying to, to assuage their worries and, and go, don't worry so much, man. Just trust me. I care about you. And at first you're like, man, I really love. But after a while, it's like my hands are tied. Because they keep resisting and rejecting my love out of shame or guilt or condemnation or whatever. Out of insecurity. But eventually they just give up and say, oh, I don't know why you love me, Father. I'll never fully comprehend it. But this I know. That Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. I am just going to give up trying to figure it out. And I yield and I surrender to your love. I found these words coming out of my mouth the other day. I was spending time with the Lord. And I just said, God, I'm just going to let you do what you do best. I'm going to just let you love me. Now, I know that's a basic, simple prayer. But I want to encourage you to do that. To yield yourself to the love of God. When Jesus says, remain in my love, like how do we do that? Well, one of the things is very clearly he says, the very next thing he says is, if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. Okay? Now, does that mean that God doesn't love us if we don't obey him? No. That's not the case. He loves us regardless. Okay? But we cannot live in that sense of his love, we can't, we can't feel and enjoy the benefits of his love when, when we 
are disobeying him and we're living in sin that, and we're feeling guilt, we're feeling shame, we're feeling condemnation, we can't really aprovecharlo. We can't, um, we can't live in the fullness of that if we're disobedient, okay? Now, how many are glad that God loves us whether we're obedient or not, okay? That's awesome. But along with that, there is a place that our obedience produces. It's not that we're earning anything. He loves us regardless. But it positions us in a place where we don't deal with all those mental games and, the, and have to work through guilt and, and shame and all that kind of stuff. But just to live with a clear conscience where we fully obey him. And this is what he says. Because just as I've obeyed my father. Okay? So Jesus isn't calling us to do anything he hasn't already done. He's like, I've perfectly submitted the Father and I perfectly obey him. And so he's calling us to do the same. Okay? But another aspect of living or abiding, remaining in his love. Like, how do you do that? Practically speaking. Well, obviously, number one, we just said obey. Obey. Obey what we know the word of God says. But another facet of it is this. And I don't mean to be too deep or mystical here. But that is to remind yourself of the love of God. In my marriage, I want us to remain in love, right? I want us to live in love. So I, do I go, well, we got married 20 years ago. I guess it's automatic from here on out. Or is it good to share affection and communicate love and appreciation. See, I tell my wife, thank you for being an amazing wife. Thank you for loving me so well. Thank you for being the amazing woman that you are. And I tell her how much I love her and appreciate her. Practical ways to, to, to express that and keep that at the forefront of my mind. During the day, just send her a quick text. Hey, I love you. Thank you for being who you are. Well, in our walk with God to just... Thank him for his love. Yes, I cry and I say, God, I love you. But just as much I say, Father, thank you for loving me. Because your love for me is the source of my love for you. Thank you for loving me. Just simply throughout the day, just reminding myself, thanking the Lord. God, I love you. God, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you for the cross. If you never did another thing for me but go to the cross, Lord, I'm forever grateful. Lord, God, there's some challenges in my life. There's been some disappointments. But Lord, I'm not going to interpret your love through the disappointments. I'm going to interpret your love only through Calvary. Because you once and all defined your love by what you did at the cross. So I celebrate who you are. And the first thing when you wake up in the morning... And to just go, you know what, no matter what, no matter what happens today, no matter what life throws at me today, I'm not going to interpret my day through the circumstances from the get-go. I'm going to thank God. Thank you, Father, for your amazing, inexhaustible love. And whatever happens today, it does not change your love toward me. And thank Him ahead of time before life throws anything at you. You already connect with his love and thank him for it. John 17, 23. Just turn over probably one page. John 17, 23. It's very similar to what we just read in John 15. John 17, 23. 
Okay, Jesus, we just read in John 59, Jesus said, the same way the Father loves me, so have I loved you. Now we get this from Jesus praying to the Father in uh, John 17, 23. I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Now he's saying this, with the exact same love that the Father has loved me, the Father loves you exactly the same. No difference between God the Father's love for Jesus and his love for you. Again, it can be very easy to go, how much does God love Jesus? Oh man, perfect love. Jesus, fully obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, perfect son, never disobeyed. He loves him with a perfect love. But me, oh man, not so much. I I can't say I've always been obedient. And that's true. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But he says, God the Father loves us with the exact same love that he loves Jesus. Now turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We've said this. A handful of times around here, but I'm going to say it again because it's so true. Whatever your theology of the cross is, we need to understand this. God does not love us because of what Jesus did at the cross. Jesus went to the cross because God the Father always loved us. Jesus did not go to the cross to try to convince a reluctant God to finally love us. Jesus and the Father, the the Holy Spirit, the Trinity were in perfect congruence, complete agreement. And he went to the cross because the Father has always, always, always loved us from the beginning. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't go to convince the Father to love us. Jesus went because the Father has always loved us. So if your perspective, if your theology says that, well, God started loving me because Jesus went to the cross. No, Jesus went to the cross to restore us back to the Father, shed his blood so we could receive the forgiveness of sins and be reconciled to the Father. But that's, he didn't start loving us then. He has always loved us from the very beginning. That is the heart of the Father. Always has been, always will. Ephesians Go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we we may approach God with freedom and confidence. If we really understand what Jesus did for us at the cross and the heart of the Father for us, we get to live this as a lifestyle. You know what I love about it? It does not say that we get to approach the Father in fear and frustration or in shame, shrinking back in the shadows of shame, but with confidence. Confidence. This is our inheritance. This is our inheritance. That we get to approach God with freedom and confidence. 
Do you see God that way? Do you see the Father that way? Do you, do you have a revelation of what Jesus did for us at the cross so that when you come before him, you come before him with boldness and freedom and confidence because you know there's always an invitation for you because the Father loves you, he likes you, and he delights in you. That he delights in you. He's not just tolerating you. He's not just putting up with you. But he delights in you. This is how we get to live. This is our inheritance in Christ. This is what Jesus died for. So that we could come through that veil that was torn in two. And live in the Father's presence. Live in that way. Now let's go down to verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a lot. That's a lot. Look, I think there's plenty right there to meditate on for the next probably, I don't know, three billion years. And not exhaust it. See, we have a tendency to kind of get up and whenever we read the Bible, okay, get up in the morning, do our devotions, read the Word at night, and read through it and check it off the list. Yes, I read, I read a chapter. Yes, I read these chapters in the Bible. Yes, I, I did my Bible reading. But to stop and to pause and to be overwhelmed. See. Reading the scripture should freak us out at times. I know that's not like the goal. It's not like, hey, I just want to be freaked out. No, that's not the goal. But if we're really reading scripture for what it is, we, it's going to leave us freaked out at times. Sometimes we're going to be scratching our heads going, God, why did you do that? God, why did you put this in scripture? What, what did you mean by this? Okay. But other times it's not so much of a question of like, I don't understand this. It's more like, this is more amazing. If this is really true, if this is who God says he is, if he really is the amazing father, that God almighty, the sovereign king of the universe is my Abba, my Papa, my father. And he feels this way toward me. Man, what should that look like in my daily life? And this is one of those passages And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. See, Paul prayed this over the Ephesians. We get to pray it over ourselves. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I would say that that probably has to do with remaining in his love. It's not like, oh, a little dabble, do you? Come to church on Sunday morning. Bless God. Hallelujah. We had a nice service. Little dabble, do you? Get me by for the week. No. I'm supposed to find my life in my identity in the love of God to be rooted and established in his love where I abide there. I live there 
24-7. This is the invitation that we have, even on our worst day. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that you may have power to grasp with all the saints. He's praying that we would catch this revelation, grasp something that we really can't even fully grasp, okay? But he's praying that we could, we could really see to grasp how wide is the love of God. Maybe some of you feel like, man, I got some troubles that are, the list is wide. Well, you know what? God's love is wider. Should whatever width of challenges and difficulties in your life, God's love is even wider. And I'll take this before the Lord. And I'm not ignoring, you know, like that word that came forth in worship this morning about fixing our eyes on him and not, not focusing on the world and stuff. It's not a matter of we ignore what's around us. We just don't give it power. Like, like we acknowledge there's real problems, there's real trials, there's real difficulties in our own lives and in the world. It's not like we stick our head in the sand and ignore it. But I want to be so focused and overwhelmed and consumed by the love of God. See, I can either be overwhelmed by the enemy and the warfare, I can be overwhelmed by disappointment, or I can be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And if I'm going to be overwhelmed, I want to be overwhelmed by the love of God. That's what I want to be overwhelmed by. And if I'm overwhelmed by his love, if I'm overwhelmed by what he did for me at the cross, if I'm overwhelmed with his nature and character, the amazingness of who he is and his love for me, I'm probably not going to be quite so overwhelmed by the stuff around me. And so Paul's praying this for the Ephesians. And we get to pray it over ourselves. Not only how wide, but how long. Brother, I got a long list of problems, man. I got a long list. Okay, not denying that. But the love of God is even longer. It's been a long time since I've experienced da-da-da-da-da good things. It's been a long time since I've, since I've had experienced these blessings in my life. Okay, I'm just saying the love of God is even longer. Whatever you want to come up, whatever description you want to give for challenges in our lives. And we all have them. And I know there are people in this room right now. Man, you've gone through some hard times recently. Pain, tragedy, hurt, loss. Not denying that reality. I'm just giving you what God gives me when I dig into his word and I feed on this and I meditate on it. And I go, God! I'm hurting right now. There's been some disappointment in my life. God, I'm struggling with this area. But Lord, I thank you that your love is bigger than all of that. Lord, I thank you that your love is wider. Your love is longer. And how high, how high. I I feel like I got bills that are piled sky high. Well, you know what? The love of God reaches higher. I got this piled high in my life. Yeah, but the love of God goes even higher. I'm not denying the reality of the bills. I'm not denying the reality of the problems. I'm just saying there's a greater reality above all that, and it's eternal. Thank God bills will go away someday. <laughs> okay? But the love of God endures forever. And that's what I'm connected to. And that's what you and I are called to live in. Being rooted and grounded. Dwelling in. And then finally he says, and how deep is the love of Christ? The depth of of his amazing love. The depth of his love. 
Maybe we've got some wounds from our past. Maybe wounds from our childhood. Maybe disappointments of just broken relationships. Like, man, there's some empty, broken places in my heart. And if that's the case, well, God wants to heal that because he's a good father. He wants to bind up the brokenhearted. But we need to catch a revelation that whatever the depth of pain that's ever been in our heart, the love of God goes even deeper. His love is even deeper. He's amazing. And you and I are invited into a lifestyle where we are overwhelmed by only one thing, and that's his amazing, glorious, extravagant, never-ending, inexhaustible love. I don't know about you, but I want to say yes to that invitation. I want to say yes to a journey like that. We're invited into that, and I feel like God's showing me, speaking to my heart. I've barely, barely scratched the surface of that. There is so much more to the ocean of his love. We have not begun to plummet the depths of his love. There is so much more. And then he says in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Read the word. Study the word. Dig in with original Greek and Hebrew. Dive into his word. But then when it's all said and done, your best attempts at studying still cannot get your revelation of the love of God. It's got to be Holy Spirit breathing on your heart. So, Paul's praying. I'm praying that you'd grasp the love of God, but really when it's all said and done, you really can't fully understand his mind-blowing love for you. He just loves you. He can't help himself. It's who he is. It's just his nature. It's not going to change. He has affection for you. He delights in you. There's some people in this room this morning, you feel like, man, I, I've pressed into God over the years and I cried out to him and, and I had dreams awakened in my heart and I wanted God to use me and I had all these dreams for what my life was going to be like in the future and what God was going to do. Can I tell you what? God, even if you've given up on those dreams, God hasn't. Yeah, but you don't know because, man, I made mistakes and I blew it and I backslid for a while or I went through a divorce and there was this, the end in this relationship and I thought it was going to be like this and... And it hurts, and those are disappointments, but I'm going to tell you that the Father hasn't changed his mind or opinion. You maybe have given up on those dreams, but he hasn't. And his number one goal for you is, is not to fulfill that dream, although if he birthed that dream, he's still into that. But his number one goal is to come and love on you so that you're not trying to accomplish dreams apart from him, but you do it in union with him. Because he's a really, really good father. And you were created to be a son or daughter. To do what you do out of union with him. Let's just look at that. Verse 20. After he says, this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Do you realize what a tiny little speck you are in the universe? And the infinite God 
of all that is, says in his word, that he wants to fill you with all of him? Ah! How does that even work? How, how does that even work? Like, I'm short. I don't even know if I'm quite 5'8". I'm short. But it, like, it doesn't matter if I was six foot eleven. It wouldn't matter. I'm still a speck of dust. And he says to us humans, he wants to fill us with all the fullness of who he is. This infinite God. Meditate on that for a while. And people wonder why. Well, I don't know. I don't understand why someone would fall over in church when they get prayed for. Hello? It's just amazing they live. If God himself comes and touches you, it's not a shock to me that you might weep, laugh, cry, shake, tremble, fall, run, jump, scream, whatever. I don't care what it is. It's just amazing you live through it. So to me, that's not amazing. It's just amazing. Wow, the God of the universe who is perfect love would come down and touch me even with a drop of his presence. That's amazing. He's really good and really good all the time. There's no shadow of turning with him. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I'll wrap it up with this thought. It says, to this God who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or think or imagine, which is amazing. Because some of us can imagine quite a bit. But then he says, according to his power that's at work within us. And then it's like, oh, yeah, what is his power at work within me? Well, Paul wrote this in Ephesians, and I think one of the, one of the key verses that's connected to this is what Paul tells us in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we get saved. Our spirits are born again. His spirit comes now to live in our spirit, but we still got some old thought patterns we got to deal with. We're still not seeing ourselves rightly to see the fullness of what he accomplished for us at the cross. And that's what dictates his power at work within us is the renewing of our mind. The more I get my mind renewed, the more I can flow with this amazing God and the more of what he has for me. So he says, God who can do above and beyond all we can think or ask or imagine. Amazing, according to the power that is at work within us. See, there's no limit. There's no fault. There's no lack on God's end. The only question is, on our end, to what degree are our minds renewed to come into agreement with that? I've heard it said before, and it bears repeating. You empower what you believe in. Someone came to Jesus and said, hey, can you, can you heal this relative of mine? He said, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Okay? It says in Proverbs, and I believe it's King James Version, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what we think and what we really believe is really powerful. Okay? He said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what we believe is really, really powerful. And God wants to overwhelm us with his love his extravagant goodness. So our minds are renewed. So we are so convinced of his extravagant love for us. 
there's never been one moment of your existence when he was not madly in love with you. Even while we were sinners, God sent Jesus to the cross to die for us. This God who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his work within us. I don't know about you, but I, wanna, I want God to do a deeper work in me. That's been my cry for the last few weeks, the beginning of this year. God, do a deeper work in me so I can line up with you, so I can come into alignment and agreement with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com slash give.